Welcome to the Legion of Impact, where our goal is to bring you tactical ideas, insights, and meaningful conversations to help you build a life that you're proud of and positively impact the world. Now for your host, Anthony Hamilton. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Legion of Impact. My name is Anthony. I'm here with Avery, and uh, it's kind of been a uh, journey getting this thing going again. Um, just having everything virtually. We got a, a new dude that we're trying to, we're working on kind of coordinating schedules to get on the podcast as well and make him a regular. Um, just kind of recently joined us in real estate. So trying to get that going. Um, and I, I'm thinking, I don't know, Avery, tell me, tell me what you think. But like, I'm thinking with the addition of him coming onto the podcast, whenever we can coordinate our schedules properly, um, I'm thinking like, it'd be cool to kind of go on a series of like what maybe he's learning as a new agent and, or maybe new into business in general and kind of mm-hmm. like go down that rabbit hole, if you will. Yeah, it's sort of like a, a mentorship podcast, essentially. Yeah, um, I feel I, like that would help a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I at think least, something like that. But then also on the podcast, yeah, coach like to where where we might be at, right? Um, and then yeah, that might be good. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 thinking. I mean, not only that, but also just like so people can kind of who who might also be new in a in any business right because yeah. there's a lot of uh correlations from a real estate business to a lot of other businesses um there there's a lot of similarities and i think somebody that um i don't know is new in any other business could probably take something away whether it's marketing or whether it's just grind or the the time it takes right in in business or um you know, literally, I guess anything could be a teachable moment, but yeah. then, yeah. Also, like you said, like the coaching and stuff kind of on air, if you will, might be kind of cool. Well, I, I, I think the biggest thing for him that he's starting to figure out right now is like the branding piece yep. and how he fits, um, or how he's going to make, cause he, he does multiple businesses and, you know, making those businesses fit him and his lifestyle is it's the same principles for real estate and for the insurance sales that he does. But, um, you know, just putting his brand together and, you know, what I would like to see is that he, if he chooses to continue on with both, you know, I'd be interested to see how he can make a cohesive brand out of both, both, uh, both roles. So, I mean, I'm excited to see the future of it. I think there's a lot to learn. Obviously, on the real estate side, you know, yep, he's yep. brand fucking new at that. But um, I, I'm excited to kind of see the growth through that. Yeah, I, you know, I, th- I think the other thing might be to um, understanding like an audience, right? And and where, what, uh, what channels um, are effective for that audience, right? Because right. the other the other business is like. Medicare, right? And which is 65, like uh, 65 year olds and older. 
Yeah. So, you know, something like that, I, I feel like that doesn't live on Instagram. You know what right. I mean? Um, so I, I, that's kind of a, a unique like perspective, if you will, um, when it comes to like mm-hmm. marketing and businesses is where does your business lie? Like where, where yeah. is your business primarily and where's your audience sitting at? Cause older folks are on Facebook. They know how to, how right. to navigate Facebook. So that might be a good channel for them. Um, but chances are they're not on Instagram. Chances are they're not right. on, on TikTok or Snapchat or something. Right. So, um, I, I think maybe that is important. I, I don't know if YouTube would be a thing. I'm, I mean, I feel yeah, like maybe it, it, it could. I'm, yeah. I mean, I mean, dude, there's YouTube is a market for freaking everything. Um, you know, junior kind of put it into perspective for me that like people will put YouTube on the TV yep. and just listen to it in the background while they're doing their dishes or they're cleaning the house or, yep. you know, whatever they, whatever they're doing. Um, and so I, I think that there's a niche there for every industry. Uh, and it's just how you, it's how you channel it, right? Like how you go about talking about it and, and, and with that, I don't know if there's legality around the insurance industry and that kind of thing and what he can speak to and what he can't. Yeah. I think like there's some red tape and real estate and that kind of thing, but for the most part, it's pretty wide open. So, um, I'd be interested to see if like if he started a YouTube channel about Medicare um, and just put out information, I bet you he would get some clients from it. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'd, I'd imagine so. Um, I also wonder what that would look like nationwide. You know, if, if he can, you, you know, if, if whether he's licensed there or if um, that looks like a referral, right. Um so, I mean, whatever, whatever that might mean, um, I think though, I mean, maybe, you know, just going on YouTube and, and searching like something about Medicare, see who's doing it and what they're doing. There's gotta be somebody doing it, you know, guarantee it. So I, you know, it's, it's, it's like you and I are both going through like the VA claims, right? And when you, if you go on YouTube and you look at claims like disability claims or whatever for the VA, there's all sorts of videos on it. There's attorneys making videos on it. There's yeah. other vets who have just gone through the process. There's, you know, all sorts of people who are making videos. I think YouTube, like any business can live on, which is, which is pretty yep. cool. Um, and the, your, and how, the shitty, the shitty part about, so like with the VA thing, it's highly emotional. Yeah. Right. And so like the shitty part about that industry is that unfortunately there needs to be people that like have that business to do it because, you know, as, as much as we want to think as Americans that the VA has our best interest in mind and they want to help us and everything, they don't fucking care yeah, at all. No, they don't no, give a shit. No. They would rather watch us, you know, be miserable and in pain all the time and everything else than actually give us benefits. Right. So, you know, it sucks that there's a business for it uh, that's on YouTube, but the education it, and, and, you know, I think it goes down to any social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever people want to be educated. They want to know, you know, what's going on in the industry. They like, they want to know that you know what's going on as well. Yep. And so if they're going to um, choose you, you know, what better platform or what better, I guess, topic, than to actually like put out 
educational content. Yeah. And um, that's that no like, and trust factor. And I think, I think Josh is learning that. I think he's picking it up. I think he's just having, you know, a growth period of like where to channel it. Yeah. Well, and, and there's also that, that struggle between having two things, right. Um, yeah. That like we've talked about before is like, it's, it's hard to be consistent and consistently be an expert at one thing when you have multiple things um, right. that, that is like, you know, it's kind of like a tug of war um, yeah. that is pulling you in different directions at the same time. Um, so it's not impossible, but it's yeah, not, it's hard. It's hard it's to focus not, on that one thing. A lot of people, you know, in, in the hardest thing I think for, for a lot of people is that, um, one of those things isn't to a solid point before they start the other one. Right. So right. it's, it's both things are then like the startup phase is like the hardest phase, which is yeah. what, you know, which is what we learned. Like our, our first four or five years was a startup phase. Um, and that is like, the, I, I mean, I'm going through it again. Well, right. And that's like the hardest fucking part. Um, yeah. and you know, people don't, oftentimes people don't necessarily realize like, Hey, if I'm starting two things at once, that's two startups at the same time. And it's just yeah. me. I, I don't have help, you know? Yeah. And so startups are designed to be hard. They're designed to be, uh, you have to, um, cut your expenses. You have to go lean. Um, and you have to figure out free ways to do it. And that's why mm -hmm. content is, is great for that. Um, it's just and building uh, and building partnerships. Yeah. Partnerships and time expenditure. It's just, where are you? allotting your time, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and how are you being effective with it and managing your appointments and stuff. And, uh, you know, like now in, in my business here, the listing appointments and stuff like you're, you're very adamant about, uh, being quick on your appointments. Um, like, like you are good yeah. at that, like making it efficient. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm not very good at that, but now in, in, the way my business is now, I think because of YouTube, like kind of don't need, well, the, the efficiency is always good, but like if I have to stay longer with some clients or whatever, like for their, the sale of their house, uh, like this lady in uh, North Chile that we're listing, yeah. we were there for like three hours and right. it was a long fucking time. It was, it was exhausting, but, um, it was necessary to kind of like gain her confidence, I guess, like to help her understand the process, what's going on and what it's going to look like, what she's going to have to do, what's expected of her, um, mm -hmm. get the dogs out of the house, make sure the house is clean. It smells good. You know, vacuum the carpets, like whatever, all that kind of stuff. Um, so like there's certain times where you can be a little bit more, um, I guess reckless with your time if you need to be right. As long as like that time you're being reckless is still intentional. Like you're still staying on yeah. task. You're not bullshitting. Like you're building rapport the way you're supposed to, and you're doing the things that you're well, supposed I think, to do. I, th I think when it comes down to things like that, um, I mean, as long as you're cognizant of your schedule yeah. and you don't have anything going on other than maybe administrative tasks, yeah. then you can afford to uh, take a little bit longer on those appointments. I'm still very much, you know, efficiency. Like I, I feel like I can get what I need accomplished with myself and with the client 
in a reasonable amount of time where I don't need to be there for three hours anymore. And, you know, the way I see it too now at this point in my life is that, um, you know, value, I forget how Ed Milet says it, but, um, people see value in busy, right? Because, because, you know, you got things to do. Like people want to work with you. You have, like you run your own business. Like, you do important shit. Yeah. And when you treat yourself that way and you treat your business that way, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of self-employed people are exactly that. They're just self-employed. They don't actually run a business. Yeah. And so when you when you actually treat your business like a business and you treat your time like a business and yourself like a business, whether it's fitness or or um, you know, just I don't know, your, your, uh, real estate or healthcare, whatever it is. If you treat it like a business and you actually like act like you got shit going on. Um, I do find that people will gravitate towards you even more though, because you're fitting an hour of your day, your busy day. Uh, you know, you're fitting them into an hour of your busy day Yeah, and they, they become grateful for that because they know you got shit to do. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, I think it is important that you spend the time necessary on that first, you know, uh, contact or that first appointment. But also, you just got to run your shit like a business. And if you're not, people are going to take advantage of you. And honestly, like, it might be good for that old lady that just wants to sit there and mingle and, you know, f- make her feel good and and whatever, you know, kind of like your grandson. Like, like we, we had that client from Chai Lai, uh, you know, first year in business. I was there for four hours. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, had I not been there for four hours, I wouldn't have got that listing. Right. Um, and she even told me that, you know, I, it was because I spent the time with her, but also that was, she knew I was a new agent. She like, the reason she chose me was cause I took the time with her. Um, and like connected on a personal level. Um, whereas the other agent that I was competing with had been in the business for 40 years and was in and out and talk shit about me being a new agent. So there was a little bit more of a respect thing there. And, and then, you know, the four hours that I spent with her just it was, helped it along basically. It was, that, that was also understanding that she just had a husband that passed away recently yep. and it was understanding the, the circumstance, which Brings me to something else I, I want to talk about is like kind of like that EQ, right? In versus the IQ. I don't know if we've yeah. talked about it on the podcast before. I don't, I don't even know if, I mean, I, I feel like you and I have talked about it, but like I'm big on, ne- I mean, neither of us, like we're, <laughs> I, I always say this like, well, and, and you do too, kind of like self deprivating, um, or it, is that the word dep- deprivating? Like, like self, like, like, uh, uh, not giving ourselves credit type thing. So yeah. we, you and I always say about ourselves because we were told this growing up, like that we're stupid. We're not very smart or whatever. Right. Yeah. And to an extent it's true, but also like we're smart, we're, we're, we're smart enough. Right. So like our IQ is like smart enough to be able to deal with most situations that, and uh, be able to communicate with people and stuff. But where we get by is the EQ, understanding the people. 
that we're working with. And maybe like within interfamilial relationships and stuff, we're a little bit hot headed, right? Like just within our family and stuff. But in, in a yeah. business sense, in out on the street, just with normal people and just the community and stuff, we're very emotionally intelligent, understanding how people mm-hmm. are feeling, understanding what they're thinking, like what their motives how they're are. responding yeah, to how, situations. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of go south is they they disregard that. They, they yeah. kind of they're too within themselves. And they disregard the uh, the other person, how they're feeling, what they're thinking, like, and that takes away the rapport. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of where people like us, where maybe like we're not the smartest people. There's in I I can point to probably a hundred real estate agents in this market that are smarter than me. But yeah. you know, it's it's how are you connecting with the people? And there's so many people that don't know how to do that and, and they're awkward yeah. or they're just looking for any moment to really just talk about themselves or to give the sales pitch. Right. And there's clearly moments like going back to our last discussion where you can go in and you can just like kind of give your pitch and, you know, be in and out in 30 minutes or whatever. But then there's mm-hmm. absolutely the moments where you need to take a little bit longer because the client is that way. They need time right um, right and i i just think that's an important note is to understand like eq versus iq iq is not everything everyone's like oh yeah. they got a stanford degree or they got a fucking notre dame or yale degree or whatever they're gonna be super successful it's like no oftentimes people with the highest iq have no idea how to communicate in the real world they don't they have no yeah, idea they- how to build community or do anything like that yeah and well, yeah, they don't know how to communicate effectively, and the the thing is, is a lot of those smart people, um, quote unquote smart people, they they listen to sell, right? Like, yeah. no, that's not that's not how I want to say it. Um, well, they listen. They, to, they listen to speak. Yes, like, and like, and whereas you know they don't actually listen to hear yeah. you know the concerns you know and address the concerns of you know, the consumer or anybody else. And it's not even, it's not just in sales. It's literally everything, whether you're talking to your spouse or your kid or your friend or a consumer or a business partner or whatever. I mean, you have to listen to the concerns. You have to be able to understand what's going through their mind. What's, you know, what's, what's going on in their heart, right? Like what are they actually you know, feeling or thinking, not that you need to care about their feelings. Uh, This isn't some like mushy, you know, cupcakes and rainbows type conversation, but it's basic leadership, right? Like it's a collaborative environment. And if you're not being collaborative in sales in general, you're going to fucking lose. Yeah. And so you can be as smart as you fucking want. But the problem is with smart people is that they always have the solutions. Yeah. Right. They're always coming to you with a fix. And that's why that's how they're going to get paid. Right. That's how they think they're going to get paid. But the people that are actually getting paid the most are the best leaders. And the leaders don't always have the solutions. The leaders are humble enough to understand that other people might have the solutions, right? I'm going to be open-minded enough 
to accept that solution and actually implement it. I'm going to put the team together to implement it. And that's how I'm going to get paid. That's how leaders get paid. Yeah. You don't always have the solutions, but sometimes the solution is somebody else's solution. So, um, you know, the IQ part of it, it ain't shit most of the time because you can, uh, you can go on YouTube and learn just about anything. Like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. You can go on YouTube and learn just about anything. You can go on Udemy. You can go on uh, Coursera. You can like anything you can go and learn for free almost. Um, and I mean, a lot of times you can become more well-rounded in that field than some professionals in that field. Well, and and not, Um, not only that, but like, especially with that stuff. Now you see more people making more money with no degree and a YouTube, basically maybe a degree from YouTube university. Right. And, uh, versus the ones who, who paid a hundred thousand dollars to go to Yale or, or Harvard or whatever. And, you know, I think of, uh, one relationship that we have that we kind of, I mean, I don't, I don't, go this route anymore you, you once i say it you'll probably know what i'm talking about i don't want to throw out names here because good guy um but uh you know i remember sitting in in um closings and with clients yeah. who are scraping up their last penny and he's talking about himself talking about and how rich he millions is. of dollars and like yeah. It's like, bro, read the fucking room, man. Like, read the room. Yeah. Like, you're sitting here with, with someone who is, like, literally they scraped up their last penny that fell in their couch cushion, you know? And yeah. on on a $150,000 house, and you're talking about, like, how you're making $4 million this year. It's like, yeah, cool. Buy, buy them the fucking house then, you know? <laughs> That's right, nothing right. for you. Like, it's... So it's, it's like, read the room, have the emotional intelligence here to just like not talk about yourself for a second. Like, yeah, you know, there's a time and a place, but, um, you know, if you're out with your buddies and you're all busting on each other and shit, like, cool. You can bring up your money. You can bring up how rich you are and how fucking cool it is to have that Mercedes and all this stuff. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, if you're in an emotional situation, which Closing on your first home is fucking emotional. Yeah. Um, selling your first home or buying an investment property for the first time or, you know, actually like getting life insurance, right? Setting your family up for success. That's fucking emotional. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you're sitting in those situations, yeah, you have to be able to read the room and actually understand and remember what it's like to go through that situation. And, you know, the, the, the biggest thing, we look at all of these people that, have loads and loads and loads of money. Right. And, um, you know, we're friends with a couple people that, you know, are very, uh, financially successful Mm -hmm. and they sit there and they're humble with you who are making, I don't know, whatever it is, a hundred thousand dollars or 200. And they are sharing the struggles that you have uh, because they remember what it was like at your point, yeah. right? And so when we're looking at these people that are emotionally intelligent or, I mean, emotionally unintelligent, right? It's like, how how empathetic are you to other people's situations, right? Reading the room and being an effective communicator is is being at their level, yeah. right? Having the ability to be at their level, well, whether it's... Um, uh, you know, uh, 
$50,000 earner or a $18 million earner. And, and you know, I, that, that's, I was the, sitting there. Hold on one second. Let yeah. me finish this. Um, I was sitting there with a guy the other day, uh, in my $25,000 truck. Um, and you know, he's worth over a hundred million dollars, this guy. And he's sitting in the passenger seat of my truck and I'm sitting there like he's communicating with me as if he's making 150 grand or, or whatever it is, right? He's communicating with me on my level and I'm trying to communicate with him on his level and kind of, you know, show myself a little bit too in, in my knowledge and experience in real estate and everything. But the respect that he had, it made me... And like the emotional intelligence, it made me realize why this dude had a hundred million dollars versus some other dudes that can't get past a certain level, right? right? Or uh, just kind of fizzle out, or maybe don't have very many personal relationships. And um, you know, he's talking to me about the Marine Corps, and he's talking to me about different investments, and he's giving me advice, and you know, some other other things like that. And it just it it made me realize like he's not, he's no different. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of these people, you know, like who you're, who you're referring to, um, the, uh, attorney there, um, you know, they get full of themselves. They act like they're different than you because they make more money or whatever. Yeah. Like we, 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 you know, we use the, the, the phrase a lot, but you know, every single person gets shit on their hands sometimes yeah. when they wipe. Yeah. Right. So like every fucking person does that. No one is different. No one's above anyone else. No one's below anyone else. And so having that compassion, having that empathy and being able to resonate with human beings is what actually will make you long term successful. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think that's where the shift in our businesses came was in, in the beginning. I mean, you remember in the beginning, we, uh, we're so like dappered up, so yeah. dressed up, so like just not relating to anything. Like we're coming off as we're making a million bucks a year or whatever, but like we're dressing that way. Obviously we weren't, we just got in the business, but we're dressing that way and we're acting that way and not really a ton came from it. There, I mean, there were some good opportunities, but it's not like, they, those opportunities, I, I think those opportunities just kind of fell in our lap because of yeah. where we were at. But I mean, then you, you step away from putting on that, that persona and, uh, in, in just business changes, it, it becomes more fun for one. And, yeah. and people like well, more people start reaching out to you because now you're a person yeah. And it's like, oh shit, this person, th this guy isn't a fucking douchebag. Like, <laughs> you yeah. know? Well, I think there's something to be said for, you know, acting how, or not yeah, yeah, acting, yeah. but, but, you know, portraying the person that you want to be. Yeah. Acting um, as if. But with that said, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a huge proponent of like the whole fake it till you make it because fake it till you make it is you're, you're putting off this, you're, you're being a fake person. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, to your point, like we were acting like we were making a million dollars, but we came off a job in the military 
that literally was paying us $25,000 a fucking year. You know? So like we, like I remember filing my taxes one year and I was like thousand dollars or $2,000 over the poverty threshold. Technically, I mean, technically, yeah, but like, I mean, I guess with healthcare and, and whatever. Yeah. But, but still, but still, you know, it's, it's, you just, you can't do that shit. And we learned that, we learned that the hard way. And unfortunately the, you know, the mentor that we had made us feel like it was okay. Right. Made us feel like we should be doing that. And I think, you know, where things really kind of picked up and stepped up was when we left, we found ourselves in a better environment with more real human beings and we could actually make progress because we were seeing a different side of business. Um, and now, I mean, we've, we've, we've almost seen it all, right. There's not much that we haven't seen in this business. Um, and you know, the, the only thing that we really haven't stepped much into is the, uh, commercial side of things with, um, you know, businesses buying massive properties and stuff. I would also say, uh, uh, like really high end luxury, yeah, but like actually, I, I've like, come to realize that's, I've come to realize that's really no different. It's the same yeah, principles. Yeah, yeah. As as res, any kind of residential, it's the same principles, different price point. Yeah, um, it's just a separate market though. And actually, yeah, but and actually, those high end buyers, the people or sellers, the only thing they're paying you for is convenience. Yeah, like they're they, hiring they you because they trust you and. Yeah. What not that, but they don't want to fucking deal with it. That's yeah. not their job. They have better places to be, you know, that's actually going to make them money and, you know, spend their time in a better place or whatever. They're hiring you for your professionalism and the convenience that you bring. Yeah. So they don't like, you can bring your problems to your $200,000 clients, right? You can bring the problems to them, but the wealthy clients are paying you to keep that away from them. Yeah. Right. You are the bullet catcher for them. So it's it's the same product. It's just a different clientele that, you know, they're just paying you for a different reason. Um, The lower end of the buyers, you know, they want to and sellers, they want to know every last detail. Yeah. Right. They want to they want to know every essence of the fucking system and process and everything. The high end buyers and sellers. They, they don't care. That's why they're hiring a professional. The the one thing I've learned in life is that I personally need to stop trying to get good at everything and actually delegate shit. Yeah. Um, because when you hire professionals to do what they're good at, your time and your energy is freed up and you can go and spend that time and energy on things that actually, you know how to do and make you money. Yeah. Yeah, in you know, w- with those upper price ranges, like I, I, I've been telling Josh a lot, like <clears throat> at at those levels, the conversations change. Um, yep. It's no longer about money. Like mo- money's not, it's not a factor, right? Like you talk about closing costs to somebody who's buying a $200,000 house, chances are closing costs, that's expensive, that's expensive for yeah. them. Fifteen thousand dollars, right? Something like that. Like that's come by. That's super expensive. But you get up to, I mean, shit. Like I'm right now. I'm I'm selling 
uh, two two properties in the four hundred thousand range, and one almost cl- close to five hundred, and it's oh closing cost uh seventy five thousand dollars, okay, on top of the down right. payment right like the down right. payment plus that, okay fine like that's what we're buying you know like we're we know that, and so mm-hmm. it's it's nothing is like like the money is not a thing for them. What, what they care about more is functionality in, in lifestyle. Like is the, is for the house anyway, is the property going to make their lifestyle better? Is it going to make it easier? Is it going to suit their lifestyle? Right. So the, these people have race cars, like does it fit their trailer and their, their race cars properly with, uh, room for the lift that they do the work on the race cars with? Like, yeah, you know, it making sure that it fits their life and not just worrying about their wallet, you know, because yeah. they know that that money, I mean, they have the skills to come by that money again. They're going to mm-hmm. get it back They're You know, it's going to come back to them. And I think that is the difference is like that scarcity versus uh, abundance mindset. Yeah. You know, where like wealthy people, they, they know that, money's not a factor they're they're going to make it right so so they're you know they're not like super um like reckless with their money they're not spending it on crazy shit but if it's something that they want to do they're they're spending it you know and and they're happy to spend it because they know it's coming back or what they spent it on is well worth it because they've already calculated that risk in their head yeah um Whereas they, you know, they're, they're average. really good at, they're really good at calculating value. Yeah. Um, whereas, I mean, when you don't, quite frankly, when you don't have the money, value doesn't even fucking matter. Right. Right. Like well, it's if like, you're pinching, if you're pinching pennies or you're worried about closing costs or whatever, you're not, you're not weighing out the opportunity costs. Yeah. You're not thinking about that future. You're just thinking about what it looks like today and today it ain't that pretty. Right. So that hurts, right? Like and, it's more emotional at that point. And so, so something like a, a small example of this is like, <clears throat> we just, uh, we just got like, it, it was like a membership thing for our groceries and it was like 80 bucks for the year to have all of our groceries delivered. And like they shop for you and they deliver it all to your house. And, uh, it was like 80 bucks for the year. Whereas when we were going to Wegmans and we were paying just for, to pick up the groceries, they would shop and we would go pick it up. And it's an additional $40 every single time we would, uh, get groceries. Whereas, well, so it's 80 bucks plus like your, your groceries, right? No, no. 80 bucks for the year. It's a, right. it's plus a one, your groceries. It's a one-time thing for the year. And then the groceries, yeah. but, but at Wegmans, it was $40 Every single time we shopped. Right. So if we shopped 52 times in the year, once a week, right, whatever 40 times 52 is, plus the 250 bucks we're paying on groceries, whereas this, it's 250 bucks on groceries uh, every week, plus only 80 bucks. It's not 80 bucks every week. It's 80 bucks once. So now I don't have to go to the store. We don't have to take the time to shop. We don't have to take the time to go pick it up. Right. right. And, and so it just, it's delivered to our door and I'm like 80 bucks for the year. Like 
A hundred percent. You're saving two grand just on a hundred percent, just on shopping. Yes, <laughs> like it's it would be stupid not to do that for us. And it's what, like, uh, it's like, what service is that? It's Walmart. Walmart. Oh. Walmart offers that, and it's like yeah, like okay, quality of food from Wegmans to Walmart. Yeah, it's going down a little bit, but now we can actually afford. Well, we could afford it, but now we're comfortable buying all organic everything now. All the food that we want right. now. Whereas at Wegmans, like if we got everything that we wanted organic, it'd be like four hundred bucks. On yeah. on like if we didn't get organic, it'd be like two hundred. So it's like double the payment. Whereas at mm-hmm. Walmart, it's you know, two fifty or whatever for all organic. So Right. But we're like eighty bucks for the year. Why wouldn't we do that? And it's delivered to the house. You're saving me, you know, three hours a week or whatever by not having to go shop. Or go pick it up or, you know, take the drive time and everything in between my schedule. Like, you're saving me time here, and now you're saving money, so just... Well, I'm I'm glad you found something. You know that was one of my biggest bitches about, you know, that you would do is you would go and, you know, pick up groceries or whatever. Yeah. In between fucking work or appointments or whatever, and I would always yell at you and say you shouldn't be doing that shit. <laughs> no, and... It's frustrating, and, and Jordan actually found it. Um, I, she was just looking into like Walmart pickup or Walmart groceries or something, and she found it. And she's like, "This is worth it, right?" And I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" So I don't have to go do it, and uh, yeah. you know, it's just like because her, she doesn't like. She's just the type. She doesn't like doing things alone. Just I don't yeah. like. Yeah, I don't know, but it, it's a hassle for me because that means I have to plan times to do it. Sometimes you yeah. can't plan that time to do it, you know? And, and if I do have that time off, I want to spend it at home with Stevie and her, like not shopping, yeah. you know, not doing right. stupid shit like mm-hmm. that. It's pointless. So, um, I don't know. It, it's just, uh, that, that was a, a huge time saver, but it's worth something like that. It's worth the money. And yeah, I think that is how like wealthy people think is like, there's a huge value in that. In, you know, whether it's 80 bucks for the year, if that's $4,000 for the year, there's a huge value add um, because you're saving money and time somewhere else. So, and, and I mean, that's applicable in the business too, because a lot of people are like, oh, I could write my own contracts, right? Right. And save money, um, you know, and, and manage a transaction and whatever and save money that way. But dude, what do we pay? 250 a transaction Mm -hmm. for, begonia and she takes care of literally all the fucking paperwork except for the the initial contract and and she she would do it she would but we like we like submitting that and writing up that initial contract yep um and and a lot like in this market right it it pays to be able to do it ourselves Mm -hmm. um so that we can do it you know on the drop of a dime whenever we need to or whatever like it pays to to do that, but she would, and for two hundred and fifty dollars, like taking that headache off my fucking plate, you know, you take, you do all the paperwork, all the bullshit addendums and stuff. You're sending to the clients. You're communicating with the attorneys. Like, I don't fucking care. The only reason I check my inbox uh, during the day is for new business. Yeah. Because my priority is making sure that I get back to new business quickly. Yeah. Everything else, it's not time sensitive for the most part. And um, 
you know, if it is time sensitive, Begonia sees it and she can take care of it with a phone call or whatever. Yep. But, um, but as long as I'm in the loop and I have access to those emails and I can read through it and stuff, but not necessarily make it an action item for me, then I'm just focused on doing what makes me money, which is getting new business. Yeah. I don't need, you know, I don't need to worry about, you know, the, the, uh, all the addendums and the fucking communication with the attorneys and shit. Like I'm in the know, right. And like Begonia will school me in and everything when, when she needs to, but for $250 a transaction, like you're stupid not to, when you're making a eight, nine, $10,000 transaction yep. or a commission yep. and you pay out fucking 250 to offload all of that work off yeah. your plate, like yeah. you're an idiot not to. If you need and, that, that additional 250 to come in, then you've got bigger problems than, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, uh, like I, I get it. That's a month. That's a month of gas. Right. Like in your truck or whatever. But, um, yeah, to your point, if you need that, uh, it's, you got, you got bigger problems. You probably shouldn't be, you know, you should, you should pick about, up a side gig for sure. Like yeah. you should pick up another job or something like a, and, a and that's like with Josh, right? Like I think Josh implementing this into his business, implementing Begonia into his business immediately mm -hmm is crucial. Yeah. Um, I like, I get it. He needs to know how to write contracts and, and do that kind of thing. Right. And under, he needs to understand them. He needs to have an understanding so he can communicate to the client about them. But with that said, you know, he runs two different practices. Yep. <clears throat> so getting him as automated as possible. And you know, that's another thing is automation for, uh, your marketing. Right. Like sending out drip campaigns or like, what's the first thing that buyers agents do with their clients? They send out a fucking search. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They put and the search. search, it automates their searching for them. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like it's, it, they can, the client can just as easily see it on Zillow. And they do. Right. The, the and search they do. is one of the most like useless things in my opinion. Like most yeah. people, they wake up and before they check their email, they click the Zillow app. Like if they're hunting right. for homes, that's what they do. But yeah. it, it makes it seem like you're doing the work too. Yeah. And which and which you should be looking at those, what's coming on the market and stuff. You should be looking at mm -hmm. that. But yep. it eliminates you having to actually physically send it to them, get the link, send it to them, or you know, yep. whatever. Like And what I always tell my clients is like, hey, the, it's not that it's useless. Um but, you know, it's a resource for you. But the reason I like it is so that you don't have to depend on my schedule in order to see properties. Yeah. Right? If there's a property that you, that you see come through the portal and you like it, you shoot me a text and you let me know, you will probably see that property before I do because I'm on the road all day. I'm writing contracts and whatever. But I have information on my end of things that you don't have in that portal so send me that address or whatever, and I'm more than happy to take a look at it and, you know, get you into a showing in that house. But, um, but you know, that frees up not only your time, but it frees up the client's time uh, because they actually get to make a decision at that point versus yep. being forced into a decision where all of a sudden, you know, she's relying or they're relying on my schedule. 
they see a property last second before offers are due and now you're you're scrambling to you know see that property and write an offer yeah we've had those clients before that find a property and they're like oh my god i want to see it but then offers are due tomorrow morning at 9 a.m yeah so you have to go see it today or, you know, or so, their schedule is so busy or they, right. they can't figure out their own schedule. So it, it seems busy that yep. that basically they'll see it as soon as it comes on the market. But then the only time they can go see it is later or whatever. Or that's when they send it to you because they forgot or something. Yeah. I've got clients and like that right now the, and it's frustrating. That That's the biggest issue I have with relocation buyers Yeah, is, you know, they don't want to buy a home sight unseen and I totally get it. Um, but, but by you the have time to be you here to see it, here, <laughs> huh? You have to be here to see it though. Like, right. By the time you get here and travel here, yeah. like, and we look at that, it's probably going to be gone. Yeah. And it has happened. Like, like clients have been coming into town and I've had to text them and say, Hey, this property is gone. Yeah. You know, your number one choice was gone. Cause guess what? It was everyone else's choice. Yeah. You know, so that's the you know that's the downside about relocation market um i actually just had some clients in town that i had to find um a furnish finder fucking deal yeah for you guys don't have delayed Um, negotiations uh no yeah so that that like up here obviously that's what makes it easier is that is that you know they if they see something on monday they will probably have until the following Monday to to get here and and say they want to offer or whatever. So, yeah. like, it makes it a lot easier when you can do that. But, yeah, I, I'd imagine if you don't – I don't know how other people are doing it, like Junior or, like, all the guys in Denver or whatever who don't do delays. It's like how – I mean, basically, you're going to have to give them a fresh set of listings as soon as they get here and see what's on the market, like – have them view what's on the market for that day, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically what it is. And, um, you know, a lot of what I've learned is a lot of these relocation buyers, they don't buy right away. Yeah. They will rent for at a short term rental. Yeah. Uh, which that's nice though. And that's nice. But also, I mean, some of them aren't contingent, right? Some of them aren't contingent on a sale so they can, um, you know, travel down and, you know, make an offer on a property and then sell their house later. Yeah. Um, but the other, the other issue is, uh, agents that aren't familiar with other States and practices, um, such as due diligence. Yeah. Right. And, you know, there's North Carolina is one of eight States that has the fucking stupid ass due diligence thing. Um, and you know, I was talking with some buyers and we're writing up a quick offer and I was telling them like, Hey, you know, this is a competitive house. And, um, in order to get it, like we need to go hard because you're contingent on selling your home. Yeah. We need to go hard on the due diligence and the earnest money. Yep. Um, and they brought it back to their realtor in, in their state that they're selling their home with. And she's a hundred years old, doesn't know practice in North Carolina and said, well, due diligence honestly sounds like a scam. <laughs> and so they told me and I said, absolutely it is like, 
I agree with you. That doesn't get past the fact that it's a normal thing here. It's necessary, yeah. You know? I, like, unfortunately, it fucking, it is what it is. If you don't want to do due diligence, you need to look for a a property that's been on the market for a little while. Yeah. Right? And, like, you kind of get the second, uh, you know, sloppy seconds, but... Um, unfortunately, if, if it's compa- and I hate it, like, I think it's the most pointless thing in the world. I think that it's screwing buyers over. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it's, it's realistically it, it's who, just stupid. But. Who has that much money to, well, in, in today's market, I guess we might be seeing a little bit more, but for your average buyer, like not many people have that much money where they're doing uh earnest money deposit and due diligence. Right. It's like, right their due diligence is like a thousand bucks or something. It, it might be like real small. Like what, what are the percentages and whatnot? Like if you're doing earnest money deposit yeah. and due diligence, what's that look like? Is it like a 20 K earnest money and then a 1000 due diligence or like, yeah. So I tried getting, I tried getting a quote unquote standard. Right. And since I've been here, no one's been able to give me that. Um, some people say it's like 1%, uh, some people say it's 10%, like people are all over the place with it. Yeah. Um, in my mind, it needs to be reasonable. Um, but the thing is like, I don't care what price point you're at. If you're giving $5,000 non-refundable to somebody and it's going directly into their bank account. That's a big deal to everybody. Yeah. Right. So, you know, just so that you can do an inspection. So, so yeah. So what happens? So <clears throat> what is it used for? You get due diligence. It's due what at the time of offer or, or right after the time acceptance? of acceptance. Okay. So acceptance. So, and how is yep. it different than earnest money? Because earnest money, I mean, basically it's wrapped up into the closing costs or it goes yep. toward the closing costs or down payment or whatever. Right. So due diligence is just a, an additional amount that like, what if, um, on the inspection, something comes up, do you get that back? No. So you're just essentially throwing out, uh, you're throwing out yeah. money. So yeah, here's what happens. You, um, and this, this is why I hate it, but let's say you give $2,000 for due diligence fee. Yeah. So you offer $2,000, your offer gets accepted. You give the seller directly $2,000. It goes directly into their bank account, the seller. It is included in the closing cost should the deal make it to the closing table. Um, however, you have a due diligence period and call it 20 days. 15, 20 days, whatever it is, um, where you can perform just about any inspection you want. Like the weird thing here is like, you don't necessarily list out your inspections. You can do an engineer inspection, a septic inspection. Uh, you can have a flooring company come in and do estimates. You can do cabinet company. Like there's really, you know, the house is basically just put into a pending status for the due diligence period. Yep. Um, and you can go and do all of your inspections, your estimates, all of that shit. Um, if, if the buyer backs out during that due diligence period, 
they lose that money and that money is directly into the seller's pocket already. And that's compensation to the seller uh, for taking their home off the market. Because it's such a fucking inconvenience for the seller to take the home off the market when they're trying to sell it. So what um, if what if the seller then backs out? Then they're responsible for giving the money back. That's, so what if they've spent it? Yes, that's a um, that's a sore topic because there are people that don't get their money back. So like so like for example, and they have I'm, to litigate. I, I'm thinking about me as a buyer. I go and I I do five thousand dollars due diligence right to you, you as the seller. Mm-hmm. You get that. And now you're going to buy a house because you're selling your house. You need somewhere to go. You use that same $5,000 to put it down on due diligence for another house. It's spent. Right. It's gone. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then your house that you're buying falls apart for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, and you lose your due diligence that you spent on that house because it was, there was an inspection. Something came up. You're uncomfortable mm-hmm. with it. You back out. So you lose that money. Mm-hmm. And now because you haven't found a house to buy or you don't have money for due diligence anymore, so you can't buy a yeah. house. Uh, now you have to take your house off the market, no longer sell it to me. So then I sue you for that $5,000, even Basically. though an attorney is going to cost $5,000. Yep. Yeah, you have to litigate and you have to, as far as I know anyway, um, you have to litigate and you have to go through that process. Um, It's absolutely, you know, North Carolina says they're a consumer, they're a buyer-friendly state or a buyer-protective state. But in my mind, you're doing the opposite. And let's say, let's say you do, uh, you know, 2,500 bucks or five grand or whatever it is. And you're willing to lose that money due to, a house having a foundation, pretty significant foundation crack or, uh, you know, roof damage or whatever, right? Like you have to replace all of the, the furnace and the ductwork or whatever, uh, or the heat pump rather. Um, like you can only, the thing is, is you give that 5,000 bucks up Let's say you're okay with walking away from that house. Now you have to save that five grand up again. Yeah. You know, because most people aren't made of money. And most people, even if they're buying a $400,000 house, some of them are, they're using every last penny they have. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, I, there's a, a, a grant program, a, a, a closing cost grant program. North Carolina does. New York does it too. Um but you are literally allowed to use this and be zero in your bank account. Yeah. Like you can, you can bring your account down to zero and still use this closing cost assistance to close on a house. And like, how fucked up is that? Yeah. That you can indebt yourself and potentially lose a due diligence, uh, because something substantial Right, you're gonna cost you're you're gonna spend forty grand on a roof, yeah. Versus that five grand, I would mm-hmm. rather take a loss of five grand, but it's gonna take me out of the market for a little while. Yeah, it um, you know, I don't know. I I just think like it doesn't seem like that goes, um, it doesn't seem like that's a like a a free market. It like well. 
Because we, so how we look at started. fair market, like fair market, like or free market capitalism, and it's like you you make a deal, right? If if I have a, a product, you make a deal to me to buy it. And yeah. what it could be whatever price. If I take a loss on it, I take a loss on it. If you get it on a, a great deal, or if you overpay for it, you overpay for it. But it's like right. it's like here you make an offer requesting yeah. with the rest of the market requesting either in the offer or not the the right or the opportunity to do an inspection of any sort. Right. And if and and the seller has full right to deny that. And that's their benefit, right? That's their uh oppor- or that's um their advantage. Whereas your advantage is, hey, maybe if I put up more money, like in a mortgage, if I offer them more money to buy the house, maybe they'll allow me to do an inspection. Or yep. you get creative and do it the way that we do it and do it during showings, right? And yep. and you just, you figure it out because that's what you do in a free market. Whereas now this is like seeming like it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, I, the word coercive comes to mind, but it's like, it's not very free market. I don't know. It's so it, it came about because during COVID, you know, uh, people would get involved in a deal and then, you know, they would claim that COVID, you know, impacted their financial ability or whatever. So now the seller is out of uh, sale and they have to start over and yada, yada, yada. And it just kind of, you know, so, and, and so then with so that the rationale, with huh? that with that rationale that makes it a seller friendly program like a seller friendly not right. not a buyer friendly thing well, or a well consumer that's that's thing. a thing so north carolina prides themselves on being buyer friendly but then they impose this uh due diligence um and it completely takes it away in my opinion but the agents here use it as a way to have the buyer skin in the game uh because of covid and my thing is, is like, well, I mean, earnest money, you can't just walk away from a house all willy nilly and get your earnest money back. Yeah. I mean, so it, yeah, I like, I get it though, because like when you actually think about it, you, you kind of can, like you can, there, there's all sorts of way. I mean, you know, as well as I do, there's all sorts of all the way up to the final walkthrough. You can walk, walk away and get your money back. The final walkthrough is a means of getting your money back. So like, yeah, there's, or you could have the lender decline the mortgage, you know, if they haven't funded it already. So like they just write a letter of declination. And I mean, really that's all the way up until, I mean, shit a week before final walkthrough, you know? So like you can, you can get your money. That doesn't mean everyone's happy. (laughs) Right. And that doesn't mean it's not shitty or that it doesn't suck, but like you can, get your earnest money back. But I, I see it the same way you, that you do Like that's what the earnest money's for, you know? Yeah. It's just like, I think our system with earnest money, maybe we fixed this system here a little bit to make it more locked in. Right. You have earnest money, but like maybe clear up the gray spaces. Like, right. You know, I don't know it, because realistically you can get your money back, your earnest money back for like, really anything even if you just have a change of heart you can have some sort of an excuse you you got to jump through hoops though to do it 
right? Like it's not easy to get your earnest money back. Right. So you got to jump through hoops to do it. And it's just, it's, we're not looking for, we're not looking to keep people in jail. Right. Right. In my opinion, like you don't want to lock them into shit. Yes. You want to hold them accountable because this is a transaction. And if you breach the contract, then, you know, we hold you accountable. But the thing is, is like, you know, when it comes to a home, people want to feel like they're making a a sound decision, sound purchase. Right. And so when you lock them into it at the expense of a couple thousand, I don't know. I just feel like it's, I feel like it's a, it's a big deal for, um, something that you should have a little bit more flexibility with. I don't know. Yeah. But it's, I mean, that's weird. And I mean, something like that though, that I think that's why agents and, and I mean, real estate coaches (laughs) should, uh, tread lightly on speaking about other markets. Yeah. I mean, because, uh, you know, we, we have coaches or agents or whatever who are saying, uh, Oh, it, you know, this is what we did in, if, if we could do it, then you could definitely succeed at this or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but there's these hurdles here in this market yeah. that that doesn't well, fully work this way. You know, like it doesn't well, work that the, way. The, the, it, it's if, hold on. If it's if, like if, I was if telling, we could get, if we could get a buyer under, like if we could literally not compete with even one other person, right. Or, or five other people, like then I think we'd already be rich from real estate Yeah. with how many offers that we put in on houses now. Like the thing is the people out West that we know, the people down South that we know, they're not dealing with 10 other offers on these houses. They don't, these houses are sitting on the market for 22 days. Yeah. So if you went in on day 15 and you submitted a decent offer under asking price, even with an inspection, like, and, and I could get my buyer a house for that. Like what right. the, what the hell is the problem? Like, of course you're going to yeah. be successful because that is an easy market to deal with. That was when we first got in the market. When we first got into right. real estate, you were submitting offers and, and, and they, they would get accepted. Right. And now that yeah. we have a whole pool of buyers just waiting it, I mean, we'd be loaded. Well, we'd be super successful at it. But yeah. like, Pe- but now you're competing with 10 forget. other offers. Yeah, no, people forget that real estate's hyper-local. It's like I was telling Josh the other day. It's hyper-local. And so when you get these fucking gurus, right, like we all know who they are, right? Like, for example, the Glenda Bakers or the uh, Ricky Caruths or, you know, these fucking gurus that come out and they say, oh, yeah, you know, you can get houses 30 grand under asking price Mm -hmm. or – fucking all these lender credits and all this or or, uh, seller credits, I mean, and yada, yada, yada. Or you can have them buy down your rate, the seller buy down your rate. And it's like, where, like, okay, but not in this market. Yeah. Like even, even here in North Carolina. So like the agents here are like, oh, it's such a crazy market. It's, or, uh, uh, oh, it's easing up or whatever they're saying. Yeah. And so it's a seller's market here. Right. It's a seller's market. Uh, you know, we're looking at two months supply of inventory. 
However, homes are sitting on the market for 20 something days. And they're saying that, you know, it's because, uh, oh, there's not a lot of buyers anymore. Not a lot of buyers. Really? How's this still a seller's okay, market because then? How's that a seller? How are we still showing that there's two months supply of inventory? Yeah. Right. Like, and the absorption rate, of course, is a historical trend, right? Typically a month prior. It's, it's, but yeah, still, it's, it lags by what, a month. Like the, the thing is, is, is that, okay. So yeah, we, we, we have buyers that are being a little more cognizant of what they're spending, right? Because we have an 8% interest rate in, in this area we have a fair amount of inventory. Yeah. So if you as a listing agent don't list your home, list the home properly, right? And you just list it like a fucking monkey used to be able to sell, right? Like like if you list it high because that's what your seller wants and you have no strategy, then yeah, it's going to sit on the market for 30 days, Yeah. right? Meanwhile, you have properties that are listed correctly that are selling in four days, right? So- I like this whole concept of lender credits and all this other stuff. Like you're not seeing that around the country. You're yeah. seeing that in certain markets yeah. in big markets, like, big, big, big markets to the one saying um, that it's your market. Like you're seeing it in your market in your market only, but you think right. because it's happening in your market that it's happening everywhere else. And it's not right. It's, it's like not. I'm pretty sure in upstate New York, it's still the number one market in the U.S. Yeah, and you still have zero inventory. I know because I'm on the MLS. Well, in uh, in, in New York, people and a lot of I, a lot of buyers are like, "Oh, that must be great for you, like as an agent." And it's right, like, no, it sucks. it's like no, it fucking blows unless you have like yeah. listings, which. I mean, you There's can be of them. you can be one of the lucky agents to to get one of the 15 listings that go live every yeah. day, like out of the five counties, you know, right. like we're, we're seeing out West. They, they put on their, um, their, uh, statistics or whatever. Um, they're new to market and it's like 3,000 new homes. Well, yeah, minimum yeah. 600. I I've seen like, I've seen, I think it was like 1700 new homes or something. And it's yeah. like, Serious, like seventeen hundred new homes. I get it; it's a bigger marketplace, but like when, just when you compare the numbers there, like you know, uh, per capita type thing, right? We're still so far below when you have twenty homes come on every day in the five county region. Like it's just right. it's fucking stupid. Well, so no, well, yeah, things don't work. that's why you're getting the homes to sell. 40, 50 grand over asking with yeah. one fucking buyer. Yeah. Yeah. So, or two buyers. Right. It's, I, I think there's a, I think there's a lack of perspective. Like, our, like we we're saying earlier, you know, there's lack of perspective and like that emotional intelligence side of things. Like it's just, people are, they think that what it's like in front of them is what it's like for everybody. And so they speak on it. Yeah. Well, I, I can assure you, if um if they we know a lot of speakers in the industry and they go around and travel and speak in in other states and shit yeah well i promise you if you go to upstate new york into rochester and you start spitting this fucking bullshit about getting lender credit or uh, yeah, seller yeah, yeah, credits yeah. and all this other like everyone's going to walk out of the room and laugh at you because yeah. you, it it's hyper local and um it just 
I feel like it, that's why I don't. That's why I don't like the whole resource keeping current matters. Yeah. Because it takes a national stance. Yeah. And you can't do that when you're talking about real estate. Right. And that's why I, I, you know, I'm hesitant to work with like out of town investors, right? That are looking in other markets. Yeah. Because like you expect it to be the same as Atlanta, Georgia, or Denver, Colorado, or wherever, but it ain't the same. No, no. Like I'm in a, I'm in the number two relocation market right now in North Carolina. Like we're fucking popping, right? Like people are buying homes left and right because it's a great place to move to. And if you try and come here because of a quote unquote low costs, right. And you're trying to get homes under value and stuff, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So the investment space here is kind of going out the window yeah. as of right now, especially with interest rates being but where they are. That, but that's similar just, to here too. It's similar to here is uh, right. a lot of investors will try and call and say, you know, you guys have low home prices. It's like, yeah, we do. But for purchase, like for like for actual single family living uh, or owner occupant type, we're not, if you're looking for an investment, man, like, you need to buy a shithole and you better yeah. be the only offer because right. you're not getting something under, you know, uh, under asking price really right. anywhere here in, but, uh, I, I was just thinking about one of the worst posts that I, I, I just saw it yesterday and I, I was going through all my posts to see which ones, um, on Instagram I could like remake. Cause I've been in a big like content law, like just drained with ideas. I have, fucking nothing going through my brain i feel like right now with content wise and so i was going through my my feed and looking at my videos and i saw one it i think it was like from we had just gotten back from uh colorado uh like the first or i don't know one of the times i think we had just gotten back from colorado and one thing that we had heard is buyers buying or sellers buying down points for the buyer because yeah. of the interest rates going up. And I looked at that and I was like, that makes sense, you know, maybe in a different market, but I was, I was thinking, you know, Hey, that might be our market too. So I, I, I my dumbass wanted to be first. And so right. I, I posted a video about it, about the Rochester market. I said, my prediction is that I think that sellers are going to be buying down points instead of seller concessions. Mm -hmm. Their concessions will be buying down points for the buyer. Well, yep. look at how stupid I am now. <laughs> like yep. How wrong I've been. And I'm glad that that video quickly fell to the, in, in the middle of my feed because now, you know, I mean, nobody's really seeing it, but like, but like, I know it's there. I'm going to probably go back and delete it or post it and say, shit, this just proves how hyper local we are. Well, yeah, what uh what I'll say about that is um how about all these agents telling buyers to buy the house because or or you know, not not or get into the market um because interest rates are going to go down, right? Like, yeah. oh, it, buy the house because interest rates are going to go down and you just refinance. Well, how long have you fucking been saying that? Yeah. You've been saying that for a year and a half now, 2 years now? Right. And it's only gone up. So when people started saying that it was around 5%, we're at fucking eight. Yeah. And, right? and thankfully so like, now, like thankfully now the Fed finally said that they're not they're lowering it, but they're going to stop raising it. 
So it's right. probably going to sit at 8 or 8.2 or whatever it's at right now for however long. Um, it could be, but, but it could be point six is, months, a year. The point is, is like you're, when you make your dumbass predictions, yeah, right? Like you don't know what the federal government is going to do. Yeah. You Nobody could be pity- fucking yeah, you, knows, and I'm not willing to hang my hat on that. Yeah. And so that is why I just stick with when the time is right, when the product comes available, you yeah. buy it. Yeah. Right. You don't sit there and wait for our interest rate to go up or down. Yeah. You don't, you don't buy because of the interest rate being high or low, but you wait for the product to come available. And when it's available, you fucking buy. If it goes down later, then you refinance. But first things first, you make sure it's in your budget. And uh, yeah, real estate, it's the agents give out blanket statements because the rest of the world is. Yeah. Real estate's not the stock market. You, you can like, there's, there is something to be said sometimes about historical trends, but you have to look at historical trends for your area. For your right. market, the one or two, three, four counties that you operate in, where your MLS specifically covers. Anything outside of that is irrelevant. Doesn't fucking matter because it's not where you live. It's not. Right. In, but the, the real estate industry, I feel like, is it's such a, like a, what do you call it, um, where y- the national media or somebody says something and then everybody, like a fucking parrot, is just like mocking. Is just like saying it, it and it, it's literally everybody is chirping that, and um, it just uh what mocking pool or uh, uh I don't know whatever. But, but literally, you can see a KCM post go out, uh, or or a post by f- fucking you name the person any like big person and probably like you see a post come out. And then you'll see like a million uh, real estate yeah. agents post the same fucking thing or yeah. claim it like it was their idea or something. And it's like, no, you're just in this like pool of people who are just like, I don't know, like you're saying these things in a vacuum, basically. Re- yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. And, and it's like, I'm, I'm so glad that we haven't been a part of that, yeah. of like the whole uh marry the house date the rate uh type thing or the uh, i don't know whatever these sayings are that people come out with now it's like i'm just so so glad that we we've stayed out of that because like i i i don't think they understand that that consumers look at them like they're fucking idiots cuz yeah. everybody has seven realtors on their facebook at least right like yeah, seven yeah. agents on their Facebook, and when you see all seven of them post the same exact thing, you look like an yep. idiot. You look like an idiot, and so they're going to be I, looking at the one who's doing it differently. Right. I uh, I got a call this morning um, from a woman out of uh, Stowe, Vermont. She's moving. She's moving here to like the Camp Lejeune area, and yeah. she um, she's like, yeah, you know, I have, you know, my son has uh friends in Wilmington because her son lives in Wilmington and it's like has friends in Wilmington that are realtors and um you know put me in touch with them and I called them and they didn't answer their phone and uh I left a voicemail and it's been about 24 hours haven't got a phone call back yet um and he sent me their you know their social media profiles and stuff and uh I noticed that they're all the same. 
Yeah. They all post the same stuff or if they're posting at all. And she's like, I came across your podcast on YouTube and um and uh <laughs> I really podcast. like what you had to say in your podcast. Not this podcast. And I was like, Yeah, I was like, Okay. I was like, Yeah, I mean my videos. And she's like, Yeah, I really like that because you're not only giving, you know, the good things about the area, but you're giving the bad things about the area and you know, areas that locals stay away from and lo- like you know, all of the pertinent information to make a sound decision. Mm-hmm. And I was like, at the end of the day, I don't care what anyone else does. I don't care what they post. Um, I don't, I don't care if I say something, the exact opposite of what they're saying, right? There's room for two opinions in the conversation and my opinion or my dialogue is always going to be toward what I think is going to help someone. Yeah. And, uh, fortunately I made the decision to relocate myself. So I have a lot of the same questions or I had a lot of the same questions and stuff, you know, with the content that I'm putting out, but I refuse to put out those KCM posts and, and everything else that every other fucking agent's doing. Yeah. Um, I'm not regurgitating that shit. Like at the end of the day, the consumer can make up their mind whether or not they're going to buy with 8% interest rate or not. Yeah. And ultimately that comes down to their payment. Yeah. They don't give a shit what it looks like in 30 years, right? Because they will fi- refinance. They know yeah. that. Yeah. But what they care about is their fucking payment. What they're paying right and now. If, yeah. Yeah. And if, if you can keep the payment in their budget, then that's what they care about. Mm-hmm. It's the same with it's think about how many people make dumbass decisions with vehicles. Yeah. Right. Like, they they buy a a fifty thousand dollar truck and eighteen percent interest rate and they keep it under they oh I want to keep it under five hundred bucks okay well I'll just you know extend the loan out to hundred and twenty months instead yeah. of eighty yeah you know you're making the same idiotic decision yeah but people only care about the payment that they're making today and if it fits their lifestyle today yeah and so when you're sitting there trying to force something down their throat. It's just, it can't be forced. Right. Right. So if you give them the information, the actual information that they need, they're capable of making their own fucking decision. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not a, I'm not a proponent of doing the same shit that everyone else is doing because honestly, look at their life and look at, uh, you know, where I'm going. So it just, it just fucking is what it is. When you, when you look at where society is. The, the normal society, right? Look at normal society. See the results that they have. Do you want those results? Do you want to right. be in the normal, right? So if you imagine a, a scale, right? Just like a, 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 a line type thing. And then, you know, you got poor here, wealthy over here. And, you know, poor on the left, wealthy on the right. And... You draw like two lines in the middle to indicate the median, like the average group of people, right? They're the Mm -hmm. ones who are just doing what everyone else is doing basically, right? The ones all the way on the left, they're, they're not doing anything like they're in poverty, you know, because of that, basically, whether, whatever reason that's for, it's because they're not doing anything basically on the right. They're doing more. They're doing different stuff. They're doing whatever. I don't want to be in that biggest group that is in the middle. I don't right. want to be there. I want to be in the smaller group that's on the right. Yeah. I, I don't need to be the furthest on the right. You know, I don't need to be the top dog. 
like in in the whole space in the in the nation or in the country or i mean in the uh uh world but like i want to be there right when you're talking that's a top 1000 people in the in the country i'm happy to be in the top 1000 you know because the country is a fucking big country there's 330 million people here right you know it's yeah. i'm not i'm not looking to be that that average dog that's uh which yeah. is what most people are and that's why they're regurgitating the same shit that's why they're looking the same way that's why they're saying the yeah. same shit that's why they're doing the same business that everyone else is doing and not branching out into youtube there's or no into there's media no value proposition you know i was talking about this the other day with so you don't know much about what's been going on with this situation but we have a friend out in uh out west. Yep. And he's looking at selling his house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm I'm familiar with it. So he's got a friend out there that is selling his house. Well, he's been sending me like the listing contract and you know all these ideas and stuff to help him with it. And his friend We know the friend, the right? The realtor. Huh? We, we know him, right? No, not really, but we've I think we've discussed things with him. Last name is so, a type of metal. Kind of? No. Oh, okay. No. Um so anyway, uh his friend's been in the business for two years. Not yeah. a not a huge deal, but he's with a EXP team. And um so they do business by charging an admin fee to the buyer, $495 admin fee, third-party admin fee. And uh, they offer basically 2.5% to a buyer's agent, and they take 3.5%. Yeah. Right? So I'm sitting there, and, and this so many people are going to disagree, and it's all good. Like, I don't. I don't care. Um, this is just my humble opinion. But I reviewed the listing contract, and I'm looking through it, and he has in there professional photos. Uh, he has MLS, access to the MLS and a sign in the yard. Um, but no open house, no digital marketing, no video. Nothing different in there. And in their listing contract, you have to – put in there how you're going to market the property. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a section for digital ads and it, and it wasn't was checked. There. It wasn't yeah. nothing. So anyway, uh, he was offering a buyer's agent two and a half percent and, uh, or no, 2.8% rather. <laughs> and he was taking 3.2 stupid. And so I, I, I was like, I was like, Hey bro, this isn't my place. But 3% or half the commission of a full commission, if if you're paying out 6% as a seller, half of that is part of a marketing expense to grab a, a buyer, right? So 3% of it should be getting another agent, right, to bring the deal. Um, and it entices an agent to bring the deal. Uh, if you look at the majority of homes sitting on the market, typically it's associated not always, but it's associated with lower uh, commission a, a rates. A discounted commission, yeah. Yep. 
because people want to be compensated for the work that they do. And not for nothing, buyer's agents do the majority of the work during a transaction. So anyway, uh, I brought it up. I said, um, why is he getting paid, you know, three and a quarter versus the buyer's agent getting paid some 2.8 or whatever stupid fucking percentage it was. And, um, and the agent didn't reply back in the email or whatever, but I was like, what is the value proposition? Like, I'm cool with it. If he's got a value proposition where he knows everybody and he knows the exact people that are going to buy the house and, you know, he's going to do a video, he's going to push it out to all these other sources that most agents don't have access to and, you know, all this stuff. But what other, he's going to put on the MLS, put a sign in the yard. Whoopty fucking do. Every single agent does that. Right. You know? So like, where's the value proposition? And so, you know, when we talk about cutting commissions, um, you know, cause a lot of people here in North Carolina cut commission and, and basically what I hear is like, oh, well, you're going to be out shopped, right? Yeah. If you go in at a full commission, you're going to be out shopped. Well, guess what, bitch? People don't shop for me. Yeah. They yeah. don't shop. Yeah. You know, like they hire me or they don't. It just is what it is. I'm not yeah. willing to cu- to cut my commission. Yeah. Um, with the exception of bringing both, both parties, right? Like that's a conversation to be had, but, um, I'm not cutting my commission. I believe in the work that I do. I believe in my value. Yep. And so I'm not going to cut it. So unless you can prove to me that you're doing more work for that higher commission, then you're not going to get my blessing on that. Yep. Once again, it's not my place. I'm not the listing agent, but don't sit there and ask for my opinion on it and, you know, not want to hear the answer. So, right. um, no, that dude, it is um, what it is. That dude, by um, the way, uh, he was, uh, talking to Siegel. Um, cause I, I work out in the morning with Siegel now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he was talking to Siegel. I don't know if it was over the phone or on FaceTime or so- something. Um, and basically said he was moving back here and Siegel's yeah. like, Oh man, you should, you should link up with the Hamiltons. And he's like, bro, I'm already way on, on, or, uh, way ahead of you or whatever. Um, there, there's no other option. And, uh, yeah. He's like, uh, I remember on one of our videos or something, he, he had commented, he said goat or something like, and, um, so, I mean, he, like, he knows a lot of people. He does a really good job. He like, he's a great promoter. I think that's what he does is he does like talent management and stuff as well as like construction and whatnot. But, um, he, uh, I mean, good dude, but yeah, like what? is the value add that the listing agents bringing to, to warrant that yeah. additional quarter percent that he's taking from the other person, the, the buyer's agent, who's probably going to do more work. It's like me, for example, there, I, I told you the, uh, my clients had called, uh, their son's friend or whatever and said, yeah. Hey, we, we chose Anthony. Well, that dude was pissed. He texted me this morning that kid did and asked yeah. if the house sold. And he said, I just, I just got a buyer for the house. And I'm like, bull fucking shit, dude. No, you didn't. You just want to see if I actually did the job. So you could either laugh or you can say, oh, fuck, you know? Yeah. And, but here's the thing about that is I know, I know for a fact, if he got, if really anybody else got that job, got that listing, the offer that came in, they would have taken, they would have said, oh, sorry, 280 
was, you know, this lower price, that's, that's all you get, you know? Right. Instead of countering back and saying, Hey, 300, because we're taking the risk, like, right. You know? And, and I got that and I guarantee you most other agents probably would not have. Right. And my, my sellers thought that we were shit out of luck because we had no other offers to escalate it. I said, we're not going right. based on an escalation. We're going based on the risk. And so we're not, I'm not providing offers to escalate it. We're not saying that we're, we're saying, Hey, you're taking a risk by accepting this one. Yeah. And that's yeah. what we're going to use to leverage up the price. And it worked. And, but not many other agents would do that or even have the balls to do that. You know? Right. It's, and especially I feel like this kid, but this kid's like, Oh man, doing great on this other team or whatever. I've, I've done 25 deals with her. And, uh, I'm like, I'm like, bro, put that out on social media. Like, yeah, put that out. Like, well, I, I don't understand. Yeah. Why but also not. like 25 deals. Cool. You got tw- paid what? 30 bucks per deal. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and like, what I the fuck? think like, some of them, maybe not he got commission. like, a, I think some of them, maybe he got like a 10%. If he showed the client, he would get like a 10%, but it's like, okay, you're making $200 per deal. Right. You just made, uh, what, uh, 25 K or no, not 25 K. What, uh, say 500 bucks per deal. What is that? $5,000. Yeah. Like $5,000. Like, like, bro, that that's not your business, man. Like, and even if it's not your business, Leverage that on social media like we told you fucking three years ago when you got into the business yeah. to do. Yeah. And let people know that you're fucking working because people don't think you're working. People don't think you're doing right. shit, which is why you didn't get these clients. You know? It's like, yeah. It's like fucking just work. Just do something and show that you're doing it. It doesn't take much, you know? If you document the process and you talk about it and you give your genuine, authentic, Self and thoughts, yeah. people will gravitate toward it. Yeah. And if you sit there and you be quiet and you only regurgitate what the rest of America is regurgitating, no one's going to see value in that. Yeah. Which is why, you know, we don't have to interview. Yeah. Right? Like, I never, there, never. There's argument to be made that you might get less business and all of this stuff. Yeah, cool. But guess what? We fucking love our clients. They love us. Yep. We knock it out of the park and they're, they turn into advocates. Yep. They refer us. So at the end of the day, like you can do your fucking 500 transactions. That's awesome. Right. But I bet you maybe 10 of those 500 are referring you. If that, right. Right. If that, yeah, 100% of all of our transactions, we get referred. Yeah. So it is, it is what it is. And honestly, like, I don't need to work nearly as hard to get those transactions uh, as 99.9% of all agents out there. So. And, and, and the, the way you do work is a lot more fun. <laughs> it's a, well, lot, it's a more lot more fun. fun. And it's, 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 you know, better more, for lifestyle uh, too. cohesive with my lifestyle. Yeah. You yeah. know, like I, I, I get to do what the fuck I want to do. Well, it's, it's way more integrated. Whereas everybody's like work-life balance, right? It's like, how about work-life in like, you can do work-life integration that can work too, where you get a second, you have to take a call or whatever, step out, take a call and then go back to playing with Charlie. You know, there's, there's no such thing as balance in, in life in general. No, no such thing. Because even if you, even if, you did the math on your four day a week, nine yeah. to five job or nine to six job or whatever it is. You are not balancing out no. uh, 
those hours with your family because you have to take into consideration sleeping too. Well, and so sleeping in, in the hours, uh, like the period, the, well, the periods of the hours that you work, right? So you're, you work during the daytime. When, yeah. when, when are your kids, I mean, awake and playing when they're young, mm-hmm. the daytime, yeah. normally before seven thirty or eight o'clock or whenever their bedtime is, you get home at 6 PM you right. eat dinner, you give them a bath and put them to bed. There's no playtime yeah. there. There's really no social engagement there. there that's no. not balanced to and me. So, like, yeah, you get 40 so when hours you in get, the office, but like, that's not balanced. Right. And when you get three days off at the end of the week or whatever, you get Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, right? Yep. Say, let's say you have a good schedule. Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. You get three out of seven days. Yeah. Or no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Three out of seven days with your with your family versus the four that you put in at work. So what's that's not balanced. No, and right like what's when you think about it this way though that I'm about to say, then you'll be like shit, that's not balanced is you work 50 weeks out of the year for 2 weeks of vacation. Yep. So you got 50 weeks of work versus 2 off, right? Yep. That's or, not or balanced. 48 and 4 at at the at the most at the most and that is i mean still that's super unbalanced so there there is no yeah. balance there's no work life balance you have to be able to integrate it the best that you can and yeah. you know that that does mean you know for for us in real estate or in business it means documenting while you're doing it and stuff which is something i'm bad at you know you're doing a little bit better at it now but historically like we haven't been great at the documentation process but we've right. done enough where people still know who we are more than even people who are doing a lot more business. Yep. And that kind of stuff catches up because then you get the people who might be older. They saw you. They continue to see you. They continue to watch you, but they're not ready to buy or sell yet. But then when they do, they saw a video from five years ago pop up in, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, what, what do you call it? Like on this day five years ago or whatever, right? On Facebook or um, memories memories or whatever. They see something like that and then they're like, oh, you know, we're coming up on time. Let's call Anthony or Avery or whoever, Joe, and Mm -hmm. let's get started on the process. You know, it's it's not always going to come from right now, which is what people need to understand, but it's the work that you do now that it's planting the seeds in people's heads. And And when it's evergreen... I yeah. mean, well, right. The YouTube is especially when it's evergreen. It, you know, I'm <laughs> our videos, our Canandaigua vlog and Geneva vlog are still coming up now. People are like, yeah. oh my God, I, I saw your Canandaigua vlog and I I loved the scene when the kid fell off the bike or whatever, like on the, the building. And someone just called me, uh, the Samuel remember that. Remember we, we, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. RV and E or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Um, Somebody just called. They moved from Florida, and they're they're trying to buy up here. I don't think they'll be able to, but they're trying to buy. And she was like acting like I'm a fucking celebrity, and yeah. she's like, "Does your wife like think it's cool?" And I'm like, "She would probably roll her eyes. Like <laughs> she she'd yeah. probably laugh and roll her eyes at you, like saying I'm a celebrity or something." But um, I mean, it's cool though. But anyway, uh. We got to get wrapping this up. We're over an hour and a half now. So, um, got some more 
stuff I got to do. But next episode, I think um, we're going to try and get Josh on here. And we're going to try and make it like more of a regular thing, uh, plan for at least once a week. I think mm-hmm. that that would be good. I think that's a good manageable kind of schedule. And uh, mm-hmm. if we can just keep uh, the additional appointments uh, out of the way, Medicare, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, right. out of the way, uh, then then we should be okay. But as long as we plan effectively, it should be good. But I, I mean, I'm excited for where this podcast is going to go because it's something that, I mean, we've always been meaning to get going. Obviously, it's a non-income producing channel right now. The idea yeah. is to make it income producing, but um, we just got to be more consistent with it and actually get more up on YouTube uh, for things yeah. to be searched. And um, podcasts don't have a great searchability, but we'll get there. Hopefully, adding yep. adding a third co-host type deal or guest, we we can get it going a little bit more. But do you have any final rounds, saved rounds, anything? No, I uh, I guess the only final round would be, you know, make sure that you're being true to yourself. Make sure you're being unique and don't don't be afraid to step away from the crowd. Um, you know, Sal Sal Frisella says, you know. Speak your truth, speak the truth, even if it makes your voice shake. Yep. And um, that's biggest factor, I think, in just authenticity is just not being afraid to step out from the crowd and say something different or do something different. It just is what it is, and it makes you unique and that yep. much more valuable. No matter how polarizing, too, right? Like right. A, a lot of the stuff that we've said in the past have been polarizing, and and the best thing that it does for you, honestly, is it detracts the people that that you're not going to work with, right? It, yeah. it separates them instantly, so you don't have to waste your time scrubbing through the people you want to work with and don't want to work with. You know, mm-hmm. like like let's be yeah. real. If you've got purple hair, <laughs> I'm probably not the best fit for you. I like I know instantly we're not going to get along. You know, right? <laughs> There's a comedy yep. skit about that, but it's true. Like, great. Thanks for pointing out to me that, that you and I will absolutely not get along. Like makes my job easier. We already (laughs) know that we will disagree on, on virtually nothing. So like, thanks for making it. By the way, it's for everyone listening. It's not the hair that means anything. (laughs) It's yeah. The general population that wears it. Yeah. And, and more so like I'm speaking uh, like to the analogy of it, like you can apply that right to a lot of different things. Use your imagination, I guess. But yeah, like a comedian said that and, um, but it's true. Like it's true, you know? So, but anyway, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, we don't necessarily say it, but we will steal it from real AF. Don't be a ho share the show. Um, And uh, until the next podcast, Legion of Impact, out. See ya. Bye.